0: I worked in the Apple world for about 10 years and the last three of them I worked for Apple proper here in Australia and I started doing a lot of like video production stuff for them but in my you know my jobby job my grown-up job for Apple they were like oh hey Lee knows how to use a camera can we get you to do a little promo for us and I was really enjoying it.
1: Lee Herbert and his team at Capture Inc. have helped some of the biggest brands in the world tell their stories. He's a cinematographer with a passion for teaching photography and video and editing, and he delivers workshops all over the world. Lee also writes for a number of online photography and video sites on topics ranging from reviews and how to articles, and he's a big fan of OWC products. In this conversation, Lee and I talk about everything from globetrotting to using empathy when dealing with difficult people, and that's a hard one, what you need to know in order to succeed, gear, of course, the DSLR versus the cinema camera debate, iPhones, our pet peeves, even how to travel with lithium batteries, and lots more. Stand by. We are Talking the Talk and Walking the Walk right here on OWC Radio. It's time for
0: OWC Radio. Tech Talk with Creatives. Conversations with host Serena Catania.
1: You have a company called Capture Inc. What does it do and who does it do it for?
0: So Capturing, it's a a video production company, um, and we work mostly in the corporate field. Um, And so in terms of the the kind of stuff we do, it's very varied, which is one of my favorite things. One of the things I say, one of the reasons why I love my job is I, I learn a lot of random stuff about a lot of random stuff. And so... You know we do anything from training videos um promotional videos like highlights reels we'll live stream events we'll create highlight reels for events um I'll give you an example I just I, I was asked last week there's there's a travel company that we used to do a lot of work for you know in the before times and um, things are starting to come alive again and so they asked us for a quote last week um, a corporate client of them is having a big event in Singapore where they're going to get 150 people over there and they're going to be doing activities and stuff like that. And so they want us to deliver training. It's, it's different. Sometimes I say that us, it's the Royal we, where sometimes it's just me, but sometimes it is me and a crew. Um, and in this case, I actually quoted them for two options, whether it's just me or whether it's me and a crew. And so if it's just me, I'll be giving some training to each one of the groups and we'll give, give them a few GoPros and get them to film stuff and i'll film stuff as well but they're like different groups will be doing different stuff so i can't be in two places at once and then they want me to create a highlights reel for each group of their experience at the end of the three days and then on top of that create a highlights reel of the whole thing that's sort of a bit more professional because i've shot it to help promote more of these events sort of thing. so that's That's like I've done training videos on how to use syringes for a new type of syringe. Um, I've done promotional things for um, a a salami factory which <laughs> I love that sounds random but but, oh, no, but what, what
1: Italian can I have a piece of that salami bowl? oh
0: it, no it was amazing like it was, <laughs> it, it was it was it was it was this promotional like it was a salami festival um that they had on a winery like out in the middle of nowhere like it's sort of like I had to drive like three hours in the dark to get there I'm pretty sure there's there's a video of it on my website somewhere I think and it was just a lot of fun and I love food yeah. so yeah. I'll tell you I'll tell you a little story about how how I got started yeah that uh, was
1: my next question everyone always wants to know how did you get your job so yeah tell us a little so, bit about that
0: so I I worked um, in the Apple world for about 10 years and the last three of them I worked for Apple proper here in Australia and I started doing a lot of pr- like video production stuff for them um how I got started with camera things and video production in general was I used to do stand-up. My joke is I'm not funny anymore. Um, and <laughs> when when I used to do stand-up is I used to record every one of my sets so I could analyze it afterwards. Because very often when you're on stage, like your adrenaline's pumping and you get off stage and you think, what the hell did I just say? So I always used to record it so I could analyze it afterwards and go, oh, that, that joke worked, that one didn't, I need to rewrite that, all that kind of stuff and you show up to any theater with a camera and all the other actors or comedians would be oh hey can you shoot a promo for me can you help me with so that's how i sort of got started doing that more on a fun side of things rather than making money from it but in my you know my joby job my grown up job for apple they were like oh hey lee knows how to use a camera can we get you to do a little promo for us and this was all internal stuff so nothing fancy nothing you know public and i was really enjoying it and yeah. There was there were there were two moments that sort of convinced me to go out on my own. Number one, um, a friend of mine said to me, "What would you do if you won the lottery tomorrow?" And I said, "Oh, that's easy. My wife and I would just travel the world making food documentaries." <laughs> and he said, "Cool. You're never going to win the lottery. What are you going to do to make that happen anyway?"
1: Nice. And
0: that was such a moment for me. Yeah. Because it was like, yeah, you could spend your whole life dreaming about what you could do if or you could get off your butt and make it happen. So that was a good kick in the pants for me. Um, And the other thing was um, while I was at Apple, Apple did this commercial for like a day in the life of an iPhone. And what it was, was um, like, you know, these people started a day, like they went surfing in the morning and then they went to like all all around the world. And the surfing was here in Melbourne where I live. And I went to my manager after, like, it was a beautiful commercial. I went to my manager. I was like, hey, you guys filmed something in Melbourne. Why do not you get me to film it? And he was like, dude, this is Apple. If we're filming like a multi-million dollar commercial, we got Martin Scorsese's son to do it. If you want to film commercials for us, go out and become Martin Scorsese's son sort of thing. And I could totally have filmed that just as well sort of thing. But because they didn't have that perception. Like, I was Lee, the training guy at Apple. I wasn't Lee, the filmmaker at Apple. And in the nicest possible way, they were like, not in a nasty way. They were like, well, look, if that's what you really want to do, you need to go do that somewhere else. And so in 2014, I said, right, this time I mean it. And I went out on my own. And I think one of the really important things, and I knew this at the time, is that if you want to start a business, because there's something that you do that you absolutely love and you want to turn that into a business, that's amazing. But just be aware that if you are lucky, you will get to do the thing that you love twenty five percent of the time, and the rest of the time you're going to be doing grown up stuff. So it's the marketing <laughs> oh, and the admin and the taxes. But you, you know, most of us don't get to do what we love twenty five percent of the time. So it's still, yeah, you know, I'm I'm almost ten years down the track now. Like I've I've been doing this for eight years now. Totally worth it. Absolutely, still totally yeah. worth it. It's yeah. it's been really hard. And it 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 gets easier and it gets harder in different ways, and you're always learning. Um, but I I still absolutely made the right decision.
1: Have you had? I guess the question is, I've noticed you're a very upbeat person. You're always friendly. You have a lot of friends. Everybody you work with seems to really love you. But if you could give a tip about what to do if they're in a situation where somebody's not actually, how can I put this? Not being mean to them, but, you know, every once in a while, you run into somebody that's just a pain to work with. How do you handle that?
0: I think my superpower is – it's funny. I I was talking about this with someone the other day, and I think my superpower is empathy. Yes. And and what I mean by empathy is – I'll always try I'll always try to look at something from someone else's perspective because as humans when we are scared or angry we do stupid and bad things and we have all been there and we have all had those moments where we have not covered ourselves in glory and you know so 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 if someone's having a go at you and and it happens it our natural reaction, our you know, it, it gets our backup and our natural reaction is ha- to have a go back at them. Mm-hmm. And I absolutely admit this is easier said than done. Mm-hmm. But if you're able to, and this takes a lot of practice, try and take a moment, like breathe, count to three, count to 10, whatever you can do, and just sort of go. Sometimes you can just say to them, "Going, hey, are you okay? Like, what's, what's going on in your life? Because very often, if someone's like screaming at you or having a go at you, it's because they've got a lot of challenges going on in their life i'm trying not to swear and uh, particularly as an australian it's really hard not to swear Um,
1: (laughs) no but you know what you're right you're right put yourself in their shoes take a deep breath when you start seeing red that's a big warning sign and it's hard to get off of that you know yeah
0: i have realized i realized like my mother and i've had some you know we love each other very much but we're, we're very we're very honest with each other and open with each other and we treat each other with mutual respect so Sometimes we'll have shouting matches over political stuff and what have you. And I realized, I think at around 18 or 19, once we were having one of our epic shouting matches. And I had this moment of, oh, I realized I was getting angrier and angrier. And the reason why I was getting angrier and angrier is because I realized she was right.
1: Oh, that's a <laughs> and, tough
0: one. And so that's you, a tough one. <laughs> yeah. So you've got to kind of pull yourself back and go, right. Hang on, am I really angry with her? Or am I angry with myself? Cause I realize she's right. And it's very hard to admit that. we don't always do it, but I try and remember that experience when I'm in that situation. And also I, it's funny, very often when I'm talking to clients about potential projects, like we're planning things, I'll very often say to them, Hey, I know I can sometimes come ac- I can sometimes come across as quite negative because I'm always sort of pointing out, oh, this could go wrong and that could go wrong. And but I'm sort of worrying out loud and what I try and do is I'm trying to think about all the things that can go wrong so we can plan for them. And so that they, so if that does happen, we're, we're prepared. Um yeah.
1: I call so it I, plan B.
0: Yeah. And so I think if you think ahead a little bit and try and plan like that, very often you'll prevent a lot of people from getting frustrated with the situation and things kind of blowing up. So that also is sort of how I try and help to mm-hmm. avoid confrontation because mm-hmm. no one likes confrontation
1: no there, there it happens on a set though when people are disagreeing and you're under pressure and um, you know I pride myself in in being the person that most of the time not always but most of the time uh, can you know help people sort of negotiate amongst each other and make it work because everybody wants the same thing yeah. so um, I, I think that's really good advice for people who are new in the business. Just be patient. Put yourself in another person's shoes. Take a deep breath when you're feeling like you're losing it. You know, even if you have to walk away for just a minute, say, I need to go to the ladies' room. (laughs) And you go down the hall, and then you come back. So I have another question for you. There's been a lot of talk the last few years, especially with the democratization of equipment. And I know you shoot with Black Magic a lot you've done some tutorials on the pocket cameras you've done work with iphones and taught that how important is the gear really if you're working on your own project for example or you're putting a project together that you're going to use as a promotion for your own work which a lot of these young people are going to be doing in the next few months how important is the gear my
0: my take on gear is this um (laughs) The fancier and the more expensive the gear is, generally, the easier it it could make your job. But there is no reason you can't do that job with the most basic, cheapest gear. So, like, let me give an example. So, for example, if I was using a DSLR, like a mirrorless camera to, to shoot video. Um, That's great. But I really prefer a cinema camera because it's got physical buttons. So I don't have to go digging into a software menu to change a setting. I can just change the setting with the button. But the key here is I can still change the setting with that software, software menu. So you can do stuff with the cheaper cameras. It's just easier to do it with the more expensive cameras. Um, And, you know, it's it's funny. Like I'm really pedantic about audio. Like I'm really fanatical about good audio because I you know, like you could have the most beautiful cinematic footage in the world, and if you have got bad audio, no one's gonna really engage. Whereas you could have stuff that's not the best footage, but if your audio is good and your story is good, people will stick with it.
1: Absolutely. And
0: I think back over the last ten years, in terms of I started off with like the cheapest twenty dollar. Lavalier microphone that I could find, and now I've got like a box of like five, six hundred dollar and Koss Elevens and you know Deity microphones, all this fancy stuff. And and yes, they're better, and yes, I can do better work with them. But I could still absolutely tell fantastic stories with that twenty dollar microphone. Yeah. And skills, the skills are essential. You know, like this is what I teach with with the iPhone stuff, is that you could do like, I mean, I shot a pilot for a show um, and we shot the entire thing on iPhones. and This was two, two and a half years ago. So the techno this was before we had ProRes on phones. I challenged someone, I think there's only like one shot in that whole 12, 10, 12 minute pilot where you could look at it and go, oh that was a phone. Otherwise there's no time you would tell. So spend more time developing your skills. And over the years, you'll start Growing and you'll get more gear and all that. There'll always be more gear, but your skills are essential.
1: Mm-hmm. You know, a, a lot of young people think, well, I want to be a director, so I'm going to start directing. Or I want to be a producer, I'm going to start producing. And I find that there's a shortage of mentors right now, number one. And number two, my belief is it's really good to just get in there, roll up your sleeves and do everything you possibly can on a production because don't you feel that the more you know, the better you're going to be once you get to where you want it to go? It sounds like I'm talking in circles, but how can you be a really good director if you've never acted or if you've yeah. never been part of the crew or if you don't know what lens to use, right?
0: Yeah. So th- th- this ties into I'm trying to remove the word just from my vocabulary. There you because go. because just removes any My pet peeve is when a client goes, oh, could we just film this in two hours? (laughs) It's like, yeah, yeah, I could just like, basically when I say, hey, hey, Serena, could you just pay me a thousand dollars? It's easy for me to say that it's anything's easy when someone else has to do it. And so like one of the things like I used used to teach these workshops many, many years ago, teaching photographers on how to move into into video. And I still do a little bit of here, here and there. And I... Make sure that I say to them, if you're not going to edit your own footage, it's essential that you do some editing because if you learn how to edit, it's going to make you such a better shooter. Yeah. And if you learn how to shoot, like everything ties into everything else because mm-hmm. If you don't edit, you don't know how much B-roll an editor mm. actually needs. You mm. don't know that you have to get a wide shot. If you're not if you don't understand the the visual stories of editing, you're going to be a terrible cinematographer because you don't understand what the editor needs and you're not going to get a lot of work because the editor will work with you once and go, "The person didn't get me nearly the kind of shots that I need. I'm not going to hire them again." Yeah. So, yeah. I think it's absolutely essential and again it go, it comes back to empathy because you won't say to you know, your, your lighting person, uh, I need those lights done in the next 10 minutes because you'll have experience and go, you know what, it's, it's probably going to take more than 10 minutes to light the scene. So, absolutely, it makes you better at planning because you've got a much better idea of what's involved when you're asking someone else to just do something.
1: I know when somebody calls me, a potential client, and they'll say, I just need a short two minutes. When anybody ever uses the word "just" when they're trying to hire me to do something, I I just kind of move backwards. Like, okay, mm. there is no such thing as just. Everything has to be well done. So, um, sound is very very important. The visuals are important. Working with your actors is important. All of that, but but sound like is the one thing that I really aspire to be better at. I can hear it and know that it's good but you put me on a big set with the mixer and i you know i really wouldn't be very good at it so i have deep respect for sound people and i think one of the tips i'd like to give is leave enough time for the sound person to get things right right i mean absolutely they never have enough time right yeah
0: yeah yeah it's always i i've very often, I haven't worked on a lot of big sets because that's not the type of work that I do. But I've where I have I, like it's I've been doing like the behind the scenes stuff, um, which is actually kind of good because you get to observe, um, and you, you sort of you're, you're removed from the the emotion very often. And yeah, I, I really feel for the soundies because just something as just something as simple as asking everyone on the set to keep quiet for thirty seconds to get room tone, um, you know, it's it's so essential. And the editor will love you. If you can get them room tone. And, and this is the thing is like, again, something to, to sort of help lessen emotional outbursts things. Like you say, everyone's working towards the same goal. You know, the sound is getting room tone to help the editor. They're not getting room tone to annoy everybody you know and 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 the gaffer's not saying hey we need to tie that light up you know I've, i need another 10 minutes to tie that light up they're not doing it to frustrate you they're doing it so that light doesn't fall on right. someone's head you know yeah. it's it's the more you understand the more empathy you'll have because you understand why people are doing but in the converse I think particularly as a director or producer or even a set coordinator, um, it's really important if you've got time, and there's never enough time on set, <laughs> to explain why you're doing something. Because I think if you just tell someone to do something, they'll be like, oh, I don't want to do it. Whereas if you explain, hey, can you please do this? And here's the reason why you under- the person understands the importance of the task, and they're far more likely to you know, skip and sing a happy tune while they do it sort of thing.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think uh, there's another thing, too, that I wanted to ask you about. And why do you think in our business people work in packs? I have a theory about it. You know, when you're hiring, you tend to bring people you've worked with before because you're more comfortable. But I always tell the students to look around the room and and then when they go on to college, look around to the people they're working with. And don't you think those are going to be the people that they're going to advance through life with?
0: That is exactly what it is. It, it, all my work, every single job I've ever had in this industry has been through word of mouth, has been through someone who's worked with me or someone who I've known. I've go, oh, hey, Lee, Lee's good at this. Like, I mean, I remember I got one job. Um, at one point, I was really into doing time lapses. So within my group, I was known as like the time lapse person. And I got a phone call like on a Saturday night going, hey, can you be in Brisbane tomorrow um, <laughs> for a specific time lapse job? You know, th- like there you go, and so
1: and of course you're gonna say yes. You're not gonna turn it down, right? you're gonna hop in the car. How many hours oh, is it?
0: Well, no, it was it was a flight because 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 oh, that geez. that would, that that would be about a twenty two hour drive.
1: Oh my gosh, where are yeah. you?
0: Where are you right now? So, so I'm in I'm in Melbourne. So we're kind of like at the okay. bottom ish of oh, Australia, okay. and Brisbane's kind of almost Jeez. almost halfway up, sort of thing.
1: So you said yes, I'll be in Brisbane, and oh you heck yeah, yeah, you yeah, flew. Yeah,
0: you know what it's well you know, you know the whole story you know it's good quality cheap and 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 good pick two and they needed it quick I'm good it wasn't cheap <laughs>
1: good that's the other thing I think we all need to be a little bit more cognizant about what our time is worth and start really insisting that we get paid for it so we just have a few more minutes but i want to talk to you about and and i do want to bring you back on to go into more detail about some of this stuff but when you're planning for a trip what kind of gear do you take with you
0: as much as i can um i'm terrible i'm one of those people who packs like three of everything just in case um so a, a very basic rundown is i will make sure that on my with my carry-on luggage i've got enough gear to do the job So that worse comes to worse, if all of my checked-in bags disappeared or got lost or whatever, I can still do the job and I'm not waiting on one bit of gear. So generally my lights um, and light stands and tripods and those sorts of things, they'll get packed into the the checked-in luggage and then cameras, batteries and um, lenses and maybe one or two lights and microphones. Get into my into my carry-on luggage and i oh we, we could do an hour just on all the tips and tricks that i've got for for trying to travel with with gear
1: oh, we're, um, we are i'm going to bring you back in and we're <laughs> going to be very specific about that because i think it's important and things have changed a little bit too in the last few years yeah. i mean carrying lithium batteries on the plane with you can we do that again i mean i flew to guatemala and i snuck them in but technically i don't think you're supposed to have those what?
0: Well, as I understand it, as long as it's in your carry-on luggage, you're okay, but you're not supposed mm-hmm. to put it in checked. in And again, I'll explain to you why. Okay. So the reason, the reason why it's not good to put batteries in your checked-in luggage is that because of the fluctuations in temperature in the hold and pressure and all those sort of things, there is potential for the battery to become ruptured and that could catch fire. And if a battery is in a bag that's surrounded by other bags and it catches fire, by the time that fire spreads and they work out that there's a fire on the plane... It's a big fire, and that's, you know, not, you know, no bueno kind of thing. Uh, whereas, if a battery's in your carry-on luggage and it catches on fire, someone's going to notice smoke and the smell of fire a lot quicker, and it's, you've got a much better chance of putting the fire out. So, it mm-hmm. is it is a safety it is a safety thing.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, I remember a few years ago they wouldn't let me fly to South Africa with my batteries in my carry-on, and they made me oh. made me check them. And by the time I got to that's Africa, weird. they had been taken out of the back. But that's many years ago, and things have changed. So, yeah, that's. I guess the point here is that if you're going to travel for a job, make sure you know what the regulations are before you go. And things are loosening up now; we're we're again able to travel. I'm looking hmm. forward to it. Do you like traveling?
0: I love traveling. I I used to. I, I used. I mean, I would have anywhere between five and 10 international jobs every year before the pandemic. And that just went, you know, it, it disappeared. So, I mean, I was very lucky that I'm, I'm a, I'm a, I'm, I'm a good editor as well as a, with a camera. So I I managed to get a lot of editing work that kept me going through, through, through it mostly. Um, but oh, I love, you know, cause, cause travel, you get to meet people, you get to learn about different cultures, you get to learn about different, a little example. So I, I grew up in South Africa. And in South Africa, we've got the. I thought everyone had this phrase all over the world. So when when you, when you it's raining and the sun is shining, in South Africa, we call that a monkey's wedding. I've got no <laughs> idea why, but it's called a monkey's wedding. <laughs> really? And I was, and from South Africa, I then moved to London. And it was a monkey. Like one day I was out with some friends and it was a monkey's wedding because it was raining and it was sunny. And I said, oh, it's a monkey's wedding. And everyone looked at me like, what the hell are you talking about? And I said, <laughs> It's a, it's it's raining and it's sunny. It's it's, it's a monkey, and they're like, "What do you like?" And that's when I learned that you know we don't have they don't have that. And do a do a Google search. Like my mom and I were talking about it. And I I looked up on Wikipedia. Different countries and different cultures. Like one will call it like a like a, a wolf's wedding, and one will call it like a like a like a like a donkey's wedding. But there's all these countries around the world that call it something different. And I love learning awesome. weird random stuff like that. And and yeah, that, that's the thing I love about travel.
1: Lee, you are such a bright light. No wonder people love working with you. You are so good at what you do. I want to bring you back in to do a tutorial on some editing things. Um, We can talk about more gear. There's a lot of things that we can do. Thank you for mentoring, and thank you for just being a bright light to all of us. I've been talking with Lee Herbert from Australia. I'm Serena Catania, and we're going to sign off, but we will see you guys again very soon. And thank you for watching.
0: Thank you so much. Bye.